frame what we're about to do. Then I'm going to invite other people on our elders board that I have that have tasked with the the job of praying for our church or overseeing prayer as we're trying to build out some more of these prayer things. And they're going to be leading, and maybe you might be joining in, leading from the microphone in other ways to pray for certain things that God has given us attention to. But I want to frame all of this before um, we move into that. This is kind of like the last announcement, but it's not really. Starting next week, as we've told before, we're going to be spending the entire summer looking through the book of Acts in different ways. We're going to be talking Sunday mornings on the Acts, you know, uh, the book of Acts. We're going to go through it all. We'll be sending out some more podcasty stuff and things like that. We're going to try to go through the whole thing. Look at what the church started like. Look at the stuff they ran into. What kind of stuff are they running into 2,000 years ago that is exactly the same as us now? What stuff is different? All kinds of things, you know, the, and, the, and, and the, the Lord's going to grow us. I think at the same time, we're trying to think of what do we need to do to reach this community. We're going to be looking 2,000 years ago. It's going to be an interesting mindset shift, I think. But we're going to be starting that next week, and Pastor Kevin's going to be sharing on, coming from Acts 1 and 2, which is Pentecost. And it's traditionally, this is Pentecost Sunday on, in the church calendar, which is the celebration of the time that, as you'll see, and we'll talk about it, and you may remember that in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit descends on the apostles, and it's kind of the beginning of the church. Jesus says, wait till I send the Holy Spirit. They wait, it comes, and then boom, this whole thing happens. And we've talked about this even recently, but we're going to be going through it again. But that's Pentecost. And, and it's also, this is really a Hebrew festival, the festival Shavuot which is the 50 days after Passover, hence the Pentecost. You know, it didn't start on Acts 2. It was something that there was a time already on the calendar, on the Jewish calendar. And it's the 50 days after Passover, and it's celebrating several things. One, it's like the first harvest of wheat and such, and also the giving of the law um, on Mount Sinai with, or, you know, with Moses and everything. And so it's a very important holiday or feast in the Jewish calendar. And it's interesting that God chooses that timeline to be the moment that the Holy Spirit comes and the church begins, okay? This is the framing I'm trying to give us all. So we have an image of wheat and harvest of the start of the first harvest. And you you hear about Jesus talking about describing the missional work of the church, the entire mission, the reaching the lost of the world as a, you know, the, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few, these kinds of things. That there's this harvest of people out there that don't know the Lord. The wheat is ready to be brought in, but the laborers are few, and there's a lot of imagery here. So I, I want you to think of three pictures, really. It's like this idea of this harvest time, Pentecost time, starting of the church time, and this idea of revival, God suddenly doing something miraculous that shoots an injection of power and awareness into the people that are doing. Now, now there aren't few laborers, you know, like they're moving into it and they're harvesting now. It's all in the same time. And I want us to look at the image of wheat and bread. Okay, that's, this is the main framing, wheat and bread. And you'll see we're going to end with um, communion. And it's important that we're going to do that. And I do want to go ahead and say this. This is going to be the first time in forever. (laughs) Sorry, that was an inside joke. First time in forever. (laughs) 
No, it's going to be the first time in forever that we're doing communion. I know. I'm sorry. Who said that? Kevin? Okay. There's just this weird voice, and I only... Yeah, anyway. So, we're going to be doing communion our, our traditional way, which is by intinction, which means you come forward, you take a piece of bread, you dip it in the cup, and you take it. But we also still have um, these prepackaged uh, communion sets, which we're going to have both available. So, there's no... No issue here, all right? You do what you need to do with that, okay? So I'm going to go ahead and say that now so we can get into it later. Because we're going to end this with communion and the celebration of the Lord's Supper. So I'm going to breeze really quickly through this. Wheat and bread, wheat and bread in the harvest and time for revival. We're looking at, in our lives, in our church, and in the world, are tremendous amounts of problems. And we as Christian people know that this core solution to all of these problems, it doesn't matter what they are. We could just start listing them off is a revelation of Jesus and the change that comes to your heart and the forgiveness and the rebirth and all that kind of thing. And then out of that starts to come this other practical stuff that we can do, you know, in whatever way to serve other people. But it's this picture of wheat and bread and wheat and bread. And I want to just draw really quickly to Luke 24. After Jesus has died and he's resurrected and they don't know what's going on, there's two guys. They, they were walking to Emmaus from Jerusalem, and they're talking about what happened. They're like, what happened? I don't understand. I don't know what happened. And now they're saying, you know, and then Jesus himself shows up to them. They don't know it's Jesus. And he goes, hey, guys, what are you talking about? Like, he knows already, but he's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, oh, we're talking about, how are you, like, are you the only guy who doesn't know what's going on here? You know, like, this guy, Jesus, was a prophet. He was doing all this amazing stuff, and then he got, they killed him. And, you know, now, now we're hearing that maybe he's not, like, they went and tried to find his body. He's not there anymore. We don't know what's going on. And he's like, guys, come on. Like, don't you get what's on? You know, so he starts, like, explaining all the prophets to them and all this kind of stuff. And he's like, well, I got to go. And they're like, no, 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 come in with us. Like, this is, this is <laughs> important, you know. Like, what are you doing? You know, like, come, come eat with us. You know, we need to know. And so at the end of this um, picture, he's like, okay, I'll come with you guys. And so he sit, it says here in Luke 30 to 34, when he sat down with him at the table, he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened and he recognized them and they disappeared from the sight. And they were like, whoa. We rec- that's Jesus. This guy we were talking to the whole time was Jesus. We were next to Jesus the whole time. We didn't realize it. All of a sudden we realized it, and he disappeared. <laughs> and they say this, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked to us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? So this is what I want to talk about. We need to have an experience with Jesus where our hearts are burning within us. And it might be you might know who Jesus is. You might know a lot about Jesus. You might be walking with him, but your heart has not been burning within you yet. And that's what we need to have an experience. And it's not something we do. It's something God does. And I want you to look at this. The night before Jesus died, he took bread and broke it and said, this is my body given for you. And just like last week, we talked about feeding thousands of people, like take this bread, I'm going to bless it and break it, and then you give it to you guys, and you guys go give it to people. And somehow, several pieces of bread feed thousands of people. We have wheat that's ready to be harvested, and bread... So the picture I want you to see is Jesus is talking about wheat, these lost people that are ready to hear and have their hearts warmed, but, or ready to come in, and they have their hearts warmed, and they turn into bread that can be given to feed the nations. Now, Jesus is the bread of life, okay, guys? So don't get, like, too weird about that. But my point is, like Jesus blessing the bread, giving it to the disciples and saying, give it to everybody. We're like that every single one of us. But in order for that to really work, it makes sense to us. I mean, you're like, okay, Jesus, I don't really understand, blah, 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 you know. 
the, when your heart is strangely warm, that's how John Wesley said the same thing. John Wesley's the guy who started the Methodist church. This changed a lot since then. But the point is, when he encounters the Holy Spirit, he's like, my heart is strangely warmed. Like, strangely and warmed. Warmed being good, strangely being not usual to me. You know, these guys are burning within them. We need to have this burning heart, and God needs to do this. Where we, and we see other people, we are now taken as wheat, and then through we take this, we become bread to feed the people, or we take the bread of Jesus. You, you get what I'm trying to say. And so what I, here's what happened over the last week. Um, as we start to take up our cross and follow Jesus, okay, every single one of us, we become like him, the bread that he can now use to feed. But it takes the breaking and the giving. Like he says, he broke his body and he gave. It's like, you don't just, it's, it's costly, okay? Take up your cross and follow me is costly. You know, your heart is burning within you, so it's like, I get it now. But it's not like, oh, and now, so Paul, when he encounters Jesus, which we'll see in Acts, he's like thrown down to the ground and blind, like, oh, man, like this is not, you know, and now he's going to spend the rest of his life like in prison and getting killed and stuff, you know. But his heart is warmed. He doesn't care anymore. You see what I'm saying? It's not like, since I met Jesus, now I'm rich and really healthy. And there are people that teach this kind of stuff. And they're just not telling you the whole truth. There is part of this that God does, but it's not the whole truth. Your life doesn't just turn into this awesome thing. What it is is because of this change that's happened, you're not wheat anymore. Now we're over here in the bread world. It doesn't matter anymore. I don't care like I used to care, okay? God can use me in prison, and I'm not worried about it anymore. And we are connected, if you look at this back wall, we are connected with missionaries that are serving the Lord in some ways all over the world, some of them in America, some of them here, some of them throughout. And several of these areas over the last couple weeks have been experiencing tremendous difficulty all at once. And I felt like the Lord was showing me, he's like, we need to spend time as a church today with this understanding. These people have now reached out directly to us and said, can you pray this? Can you pray this? And we need to take our time to do that. So go ahead and play the music. And then I want, um, we're going to pray for three areas, okay? We're going to pray for the country of India, what they're experiencing right now. We're going to pray for the country of Myanmar, what they're experiencing there. And we're going to pray for the country of Israel and what they're experiencing there. And I've asked different people, but I want to first share. So India, go ahead and put up um, the map just so people can see. I want to make sure you know what we're talking about and you have some idea. In, that's where India is. And if you see, this is, you know, it's all the way on the other side of the world. It's a huge country. And if you remember, just um, James and Asaf, y'all come on up here. We were just praying for the last couple of weeks about a missionary, Tammy, who's been serving there for like the last 20 years. And the country kicked her out. They kicked her out. And we were praying that maybe that wouldn't happen. But the work is continuing. It's not like over. But she sent out an email. And she said, according to a well-known Christian persecution uh, watchdog group, India is number 10 on the list of countries in the world where Christians suffer persecution. Number 10. I didn't know that. I'll be honest. That's pretty hot. So it's extremely, it persecutes Christian people at an extreme level. It is considered one of the toughest countries to be a Christian in. Many of our Christian friends in India, in India have suffered much for their faith. And she ended the email. She went on talking about her situation of being forced out. And, you know, the work's continuing. You know, it's not stopping. We're not giving up. But you know, we just got a blip in the road here or a bump in the road here. But um, she asked this at the end. And this stuck out to me. I was like, we have to, 
we have to pray. Um, and show some of these photos while I'm doing this. She said, pray, please pray for India. 4,000 people dying a day from COVID-19. Nationwide lockdowns where you aren't even allowed to step outside. And here's the thing. The poorest are affected the most. They rely on their daily wages to provide food for their families, which they can't go out to earn. Our team is on the ground, even now gathering basics to deliver to our single moms in the area. Pray also for the believers in India, the ones that she was talking about earlier that were persecuted, for stamina, fortitude, lots of grace, and pray for our huge family here. And for me and my youngest, it's been incredibly hard. And for all of us, the team, to carry on the work. She still wants to pass out the bread. For the kids and for the entire community, thank you. And I've asked James and Asaf to help lead us in a time of prayer for this country of India that's suffering right now tremendously from... So, like, we look at this, there are millions of people there. And millions of them don't know the Lord. And thousands of them are dying a day of COVID-19, and they're out of medical supplies these people are suffering. There's people just like you. There's people like me, who's a guy in a, in a huge city over there. He's got three daughters, and he doesn't know what he's going to do. And they're caught in this. And there are things that we were talking yesterday. There are things in the spirit that are warring. And you see pictures of this in the book of Daniel and stuff. You know, I, I was coming, but the, the, the prince of Persia stopped me. And like, there's spiritual things that are happening in these kinds of situations. But there's normal people just like us on the ground. Like, we're, we're just normal people. They're just normal people, and they're suffering tremendously, and especially the believers that are there trying to hand out the bread that I'm talking about. We want to be lifting them up in prayer. We want to take some time, and so I'm asking James and Asaf to lead us in a time of that. I just want to give a word of testimony, because we were, I was telling Brian when we prayed for Jeff, when he was going into that area that bombs were dropping on, and I got up here, and I prayed, Lord, would you use these terrible situations to create a word of testimony and, um, uh, and and prayed that from the stage, Lord, create terrible situations to create words of testimony. And I went home that night and I had two bad situations happen to me that very night uh, having to do with this uh, clinic that I'm trying to start up that created these impossible scenarios. And I looked at Martina and I said, me and my big mouth praying for the Lord to set up impossible situations where his where his name would go forth and be known um, and Brian preached that week on Elijah digging a trench around the altar and dumping water on the altar before he asked for fire to come down from heaven which is this purposeful creation of an impossible situation to show um how great is our God? And I was like, wow, we really, I really set myself up with that prayer. Um, but I was reminded by my family um, because there was a situation, you know, with my clinic that's, that said that the land, I won't go into details, but the land with regards to the ability of my, of my medical practice to go forth had been dry for three years. And my family reminded me that there had been no rain on the land of Israel for three years. Um, before that fire came down from heaven. And then after it happened, the Lord answered by fire and a rain cloud came and it caused a torrential rain and a flood occurred because of that. And I went into work on Monday morning with my heart heavy saying, I don't know if this situation was two separate things that had just hit me 
that were the words of the enemy going, you are not going to accomplish this thing that, that the Lord has called you to do. And within that Monday, the Lord provided and answered in both of those situations of me going in on a, on a Monday morning saying, saying to Martina, I left that morning with a heavy heart and, and I just said, we just need to pray. So we just entered into a prayer time that morning where I just declared, Lord, you said that you were calling me to this. I have to cling to it. It doesn't feel like the real thing. It feels like I'm faking it and that it's not going to work out. And he answered. And in situations where it could have taken months to break in, and it should have taken months to break in, he broke in and fixed both of those situations on that Monday before the workday was finished. The Lord is real. And the Lord really does use impossible situations like this. Um, and I just, I want to exhort us at the beginning of this prayer time. This is not the prayer people standing up on the stage and saying, oh, we're the ones who are comfortable with this kind of thing. Come and watch us pray in this situation. I want to see us as a body enter into this, into this place of prayer. I want to see, you know, Asaf and I are standing up here to lead and to facilitate, but we are not here to pray on behalf of the church. And so as we enter into this kind of thing, I want to see engagement. The one who holds the microphone is not the one who's praying. We're praying, okay? I'm leading, facilitating, whatever, pointing. Thank you. Um, and so let's enter in on that kind of thing. But I also, the other thing that I want to say is this. I've been to India before, uh, had a very strong calling there almost 20 years ago, 15 years ago where the Lord showed me very clearly that I was supposed to go there and I went there and I hated it. I totally hated it and have had a struggle with that country for a long time because of the things that I encountered there because there are works of darkness in that nation and it's very hard to see the Lord in that country when you are there as a missionary. Very very hard. It's not like, oh, we're going to go and love the children and every, everything. No. It's a hard place. And it's a hard place for the believers who are there. And it's a hard place for missionaries who go in to interface with the believers who are there. So I'm not standing here saying, oh, guys, I have a heart for India. I don't have a heart for India. However, I will tell you this. I've been thinking about India this week. And the Lord's heart is for India. And the Lord has had India on my heart. I don't have a heart for India, I don't have a sense of compassion for that country in and of myself. This is not like some glamorous sort of situation. This is called the Lord's heart is focused on the people of the earth and the suffering that they're going through. And what you have to do is have a heart for the Lord and the Lord will give you his heart for his people who are out there. And so I'm going to read out of Acts because we're going to get here in the midst of our studies. But I, I preached out of this scripture um, before during the COVID time period online. And and Acts 4 uh, is is a powerful place of prayer where the Lord, um, you know, stirs up the, the disciples to, to pray against the threats that are against believers. And it starts in verse 24, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and is and all that is in them. The Lord made India and the Lord made the Indian people and despite the fact that they're not Americans and we can't connect on that personal level with their suffering like what we've been going through through the last year, that country is five times the size of what we are and they have like less than one-tenth of the resources of what we have in this country to fight off COVID. 
And so when we say the death tolls are real there, the Lord's heart is for this. So I'm just going to pray out of Acts 4.29. Lord, I'm praying for the believers in India. God, again, God, (laughs) in trepidation, Lord, at what happened the last time I did this. God, would you create and use impossible situations to let the word of the Lord go forth in the land. Look on the threats going on in India, the threats of COVID, a healthcare epidemic going on in that nation as our nation is entering into healing. God, would you extend healing into that nation? Lord, would you create situations where the Lord of the word of the Lord would run swiftly and be glorified? Lord, grant to your servants those who are called by your name in that nation that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal. God, create healing situations. God, there is almost more testimony coming out of that nation than almost anywhere else in the world of the miraculous power of the Lord. God, I ask for more. Lord, I ask for more. Create situations where believers would begin to be able to testify of the power of the Lord by laying on hands of people who are on respirators and ventilators, God, who are requiring oxygen supplementation. Stretch out your hand to heal, that at the name of Jesus, healing would occur. God, I pray for those who would go up to the death piles right now, the mounds of bodies and lay hands on the mounds of bodies and cause bodies to rise from the dead in in, in India right now, God. Lord, you do these things for the greatness of your name. You raise the dead for the greatness of your name. God, I pray for boldness. Lord, a people beaten down in that nation of oppression, God, one-tenth on the list of persecution of believers, God, but I ask for boldness in this hour that your believers... Lord, in the South Provinces, the the body of believers that are there in the South Provinces of India would rise up and say, now is the moment where the testimony of the healing power of the Lord Jesus goes forth and that and that generations ago, seeds that were planted by the in the apostolic era would now begin to take root, God, and create a spirit of revival in the nation of Israel in Jesus name. And we know that all things were together for good to them that love God, to them who were the called according to His purpose. Oh Lord, I wanted to pray in a different perspective to the verse. Not just pray that things will be good in India, but I want to pray for your goodness in India. I don't want to pray for what we consider good. I don't want to just pray for the suffering to stop. But I want to pray for your purpose. Why did you send that suffering from your church, for your believers there? I want to pray that your purpose be achieved. That, that, that what is happening there, like James prayed, that you change the impossible thing for your purpose. We believe that everything that happened is for the good that who loves you. 
it's really difficult to understand that. It's really difficult to pray that. Because we go through, the countries go through impossible things. And I don't understand. I, I'd rather say that I don't even agree. <laughs> but turn that things in your good. May your plan be fulfilled in India. People that are there, our brothers, Christians, people that don't know your name, people that are dying without even knowing your name. It's difficult for all to conceive that, but there are people dying without the opportunity to know you because of these sickness, because of these this government, because of demons that are, are, are the enemy is putting right there because there is a pressure there is an oppression there that people is really difficult to reach you it's really difficult to pray and i want you that your goodness come to injure right now come to injure right now your holy spirit starting giving dreams to people that are looking for something oh lord oh lord come to India right now oh holy ghost holy spirit come it's starting fulfilling your plan there it's starting fulfilling your kingdom and people that are there people that are looking for some people that are broken that they could really find you i want to engage everyone to pray i believe there is a power when we set aside our problems and we do relieve real problems in our lives when we set aside and we stand by god to pray for other countries other people we when we do that i really believe that we are entering in like brian is, pray, uh, is preaching through our lives we enter in a more intimacy with god because we're telling god god i'm living difficult things but i want to set aside and i want to pray what is in your heart and we know that there are plans that god has for earth that is not about us and i want to pray that we want to go like daniel to pray a prayer that breaks through and goes and reaches god's heart and starting the attention will go for the enemies. The enemy will go stopping angels to come and answer our prayer. God, we want you to enter in this place that our prayer will reach your heart. Oh, God, and we pray like that for India. We want to pray like that for India. We want you to feel what you're feeling for these people that are dying without knowing you. We want you to feel your pain about that. I want to invite anyone that feels to pray. You can come and pray. And, and I also just want to say, let's, those of you who are, are feeling called to stand, let's stand in the place of prayer. I think there's something to taking this active position of, of being standing in the place of prayer. It puts our body in, in the position of, of an active positioning before the Lord. In the, uh, because when we're entering into the place of prayer, this is a battle. This is a battle in the spiritual realm. We don't fight sitting down. We fight standing up. And so I just want to invite us to, you know, raise raise our hands to the Lord. There's an act of, I'm not like a hand-raisy person by, by nature, guys. But there's an act of faithfulness to that kind of thing. And so those of you who are being called to do that kind of thing, as uncomfortable as it is, let's reach out to the Lord and really cry out. And even 
those of you who want to pray on the microphone, pray on the microphone. If you want to cry out to God from your seat, this is, this is the power of having a small building and a small body here. Father God, I just thank you so much for the works that you are doing in India, in the nation of India. Lord, I lift up Nimi to you right now. God, she's had so much loss in her life. Father, I just ask you to wash over her with your mercy and your grace. I ask for the children, Father, that she watches over. I pray for them, Lord. I thank you for the work that Foundation Stone Ministries has started in India and that that work continues, God, to grow. I pray for your protection over the children and over Nimi. Lord, she's lost relatives to this disease, and her own husband died just one year after they were married. God, help her in her loss. God, fill this space in her heart. Fill that space, God, with your spirit of grace and mercy with your loving arms that surround her and support her, God. Thank you, Father, for the call on her life to be a mother to the motherless children, Father. To envelop them in her own arms, to comfort them in their need. Just fill her up, God, with your spirit. I thank you for Tammy, Father, and the works that she has done there. Lord, I thank you for the, the technology that allows her to stay connected to her ministry via the Internet. Lord, I thank you so much for the people that she's raised up there to go forth, God, and to, to teach others about the goodness of God. Your goodness, God. Let your goodness reign over India. Be loosed, Holy Spirit. Wash over India, God, with your spirit of love and mercy and grace. Thank you, God, for truth, for truth to be spoken forth. Jesus, we worship you and we thank you for you alone are able, God, to reach the lost, the millions and millions of lost people in the world. And we thank you that you seek after each and every one of them. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I, I want to pray specifically for the children who have lost their parents in this time. I pray that you would be their father. Comfort in Jesus' name. This is going to take a little longer than I thought, guys, and that's going to be okay. But we're going to, we're going to move on to praying for Myanmar, uh, which is 
a country you may not know as much about. It's also Burma. There's a, go ahead and put the map up, and I will show you where this right beside India. Wait, is that? That's not the, is that? That's Burma? I thought, okay. And the situation there, we, we are connected through a ministry called Cornerstone with uh, Craig and Kara Garrison, who've served over there for years. They've lived in Myanmar. They've also lived in Thailand, which is right across the border. And uh, they're also back in America, but they've been going, traveling back and forth as they've been working with the indigenous people there to do the work that God's called them to. And, you know, and there's a lot of tension in this country. It's been very oppressed for a long time, but they had kind of a breakthrough. But then he sent out this email and said this, that three and a half months ago, Myanmar plunged into one of the greatest crises of the last several decades, the Myanmar military called the Tatmadaw, staged a coup on February 1st and overthrew the recently democratically elected representatives. And nearly 800 people have been killed and more than 3,000 have been arrested and imprisoned, including the highest level of elected leaders. So this is ethnic cleansing stuff and a very terrible situation. And a lot of people are fleeing into Thailand and other places, just running, you know. And he asked at the end of his email that we would pray. And he said he wants prayer for these things. So, Angela, you come on up here. Angela and Asaf are going to lead this time. And it's like, pray for the sovereignty and protection of God to cover the church of Myanmar and its leaders and the entire country. Pray for physical provision, emotional comfort, and spiritual strength to remain strong in the face of fear. Pray for justice and breakthrough for the governmental situation and conflict. And pray for the peace of the nation and its people. So I'm not great at being up here, so just bear with me. Um, I believe the Lord is um, softening my heart for, for this country and um, wanting me to pray for pray his heart. So I have some scriptures that I'm going to start with that go with everything that Brian said that they want prayer for, sovereignty and protection. The sovereignty and protection of God to cover the body of Christ in Myanmar and its leaders for the entire country. And so I'm going to start with um, excuse me, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of about what we do not see. So Lord, right now, as we pray for your sovereignty and your protection, we pray for faith faith for all believers in the country of Myanmar. Faith in what they cannot see. Hope and assurance, Lord, for their protection. Lord, that they would trust you with everything in them. And Lord, that you would stretch out your hand and protect them. Cover them, Lord. Hide them. Hide them from evil. Hide them from the evil one. Hide them in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray for hope out of Proverbs 12, 13. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. We speak life over the people of Myanmar. We speak life over them. Protect them, Jesus, and as you protect them, let them live full lives, full lives devoted to you. We pray specifically for the body of Christ, that their hope would not be deferred, but that their longings would be fulfilled that their longings for freedom would be fulfilled. Their longings to worship you freely would be fulfilled. In Jesus' name, you know the plans that you have for them, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper them and not to harm them. 
plans to give them hope and a future. They have a future, Jesus. This is not the end. It doesn't have to be hopeless. And in Jesus' name, we speak hope. We pray hope into the country of Myanmar. Hope, godly hope, your hope, heavenly hope in Jesus' name. Heavenly hope. Heavenly hope that there would be hope. Hope throughout the entire country, around the entire border, in every city, state. Even into Thailand where people are running and the country surrounding. In Jesus' name, that hope is restored. In Jesus' name. They have a future. Lord, we pray for physical provisions, for food, for shelter, for water, for medicine. That you would provide. We know that you will. We know that you are. And in Jesus' name, we ask that you would work quickly in Jesus' name. We join our hearts with yours, Lord. Show us how to pray. Show us how to intercede for our brothers and sisters in Christ in Myanmar. Show us, Jesus. Lord, we pray for emotional comfort, spiritual strength. Strengthen them with might by your spirit in their inner man. Root and ground them firmly planted, Lord, in the love of Christ. Lord, we pray out of Isaiah. Do you not know and have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. He's the everlasting God of the whole earth, but he's the everlasting God of Myanmar. He's the creator. He's the creator of Myanmar. To the ends of the earth, he will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. And he gives strength to the weary and gives power to the weak in Jesus' name. And Lord, I ask that you would empower your church in Myanmar. Embolden them, Jesus, to reach out to the Holy Spirit, to reach out to you, to not shrink back. Lord, I know many of them are on the run for their very lives, and they're just trying to maintain. They're just trying to make sure that their kids are fed and clothed and sheltered. Provide those things, Jesus, but help them, Lord. Stir them. Stir them with holy passion. Stir them to not give up, but give them hope, Lord. Hope to keep going. Hope that you will rescue them in Jesus' name. And finally, Lord, I pray out of Ephesians 6, for the brothers and sisters in Christ in Myanmar, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and put on the full armor of God that you can stand against the devil's schemes. Your struggle is not with flesh and blood. It's with the powers and the principalities and the evil forces of darkness in the heavenly places. And we say, you have no authority in Jesus' name. You have no authority in Jesus' name. Your rule and your reign is over. You are subject to the living God, Jesus Christ. You are subject in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray for the salvation of those who are oppressing right now, that you would confuse their plans and disrupt them in Jesus' name. You would bring healing to this land in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. I wanted to be honest with you guys. I didn't know what has been happening in Myanmar a lot. And I started looking news and reading articles yesterday night. And 
while was, I was reading, I remember my grandfather telling me stories about the military occupation in Brazil. That was really recently, like it, it was in, starting in the 60s and ending in 1985. So I, I, I started feeling for the people there because I know people from my family that lived similar situations. And I started reading, and they have no hospitals open since February because all, all people that are supposed to be working, they're on a strike. Or because of the occupation of the military, they say, we're not going to come back to work until the, the president is come back to the government. So, the, so because they voted, the military didn't accept it and arrest everyone. So there are no hospitals. Uh, United States stopped one billion dollars that they would have sent there to help with infrastructure and infrastructure and etc. And they stopped everything. So there's no money coming. There's no there, there are no schools, restaurants, supermarkets, everything is closed since February. I, I don't know how they're living. <laughs> I have no idea. There is no internet. The government that is now, they stopped internet since February 13, I think so. So they, they don't have internet there since February. So it's really difficult to get in contact with them, know what is happening. I, ho I, I read that last week, Japan, 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 Japan almost starting a war with them because there was a journalist that was there illegally and the government arrested them and Japan, like, if you don't take them back to Japan, we're going to send an army to go there to look for him. Japan, sorry. <laughs> Japan. <laughs> so, so, I wanted to pray. There's a lot of, and besides all that, there is COVID. <laughs> so, so I wanted to pray for the people are there, the Christians. There are still Christians there that are being prosecuted even more because of that. And I read that the people that are going to the streets are primarily Muslims. So I know it's difficult to accept that, but sometimes there are people that don't have the truth that looks that like they fight more, they go to, to, to defy more than we that have the, the truth as Christians. So I wanted to pray for the Christians there for protection and, and people that are they, they're, sometimes they're on the streets because they don't have anything to eat and they, they, the military just go and shoot everybody and they're being killed and it's really difficult. Oh Lord, I wanted to pray for Christians for your church in Myanmar. Oh God, that you could comfort them. Oh Lord. Oh Lord, the people that are there, they don't have what to eat, they don't have anything to do, and then Oh Lord, come come to, to Myanmar. Oh give them comfort, your your comfort. And we pray against 
all the oppression that the government is putting through people. We agree with Angela Prey. We want to put us in the position in authority that you gave us to reject, to pray against any oppression that an enemy has in Myanmar. Oh Lord, we pray against any oppression. We pray against what the enemy is doing right there with normal people, with people like us. We pray for your comfort. We pray for that you intervene there and you change the situation in that country. You change the people that are fighting for their liberty. You pray that you could come and you give them freedom, your freedom, and they can feel your freedom in their hearts. Oh, Lord. Oh, Jesus, come in the name of Jesus. Amen. And our last, <clears throat> our last subject of prayer, I want to invite Steve and Marianne up to lead this entire time. We're going to be praying for Israel. And when we talk about what's happening in the spirit, um, this one situation of Israel, like Israel is this tiny little nation um, that you can barely even see there. It's just a dot in the corner of the Middle East. Um, and it's the most difficult in the area of when we're talking about the spiritual battle that's happening there. It's very, it's in a way, it's very different. But there's been rockets that have been firing over the last several days um, from Israel and Gaza. And there's a lot of people caught in the middle of this whole thing. We know we have Stephanie who's over there with FAI that's living in Israel. We're connected with Avi Mizraki, who's living outside of Tel Aviv and everything, and they're very um, disrupted by this whole thing. But Steve and Marianne, obviously, they were missionaries living in Israel for a long period of time, and so they're going to, we had actually, I left out two things at the beginning of this. We'd already talked about having them come up and pray and do something like this today, way before anything happened. So this is something that the Lord set up. But then also, this biblical feast, Shavuot, actually is today. It starts today. And it goes into, so like the church calendar is a little off on that one, but it's the, the timing of this prayer is very important, I think. But I'm going to let them explain some of the situation that's going on and then lead the prayers. Yeah, I don't know if, if Brian knew when he said this, that the whole idea of Shavuot is the harvest, that, that they be, we begin with, with Passover, which is the crucifixion. First fruits is the resurrection, but what was happening on the ground with the Israelites was they would take the very first sheaves of grain and wave them before the Lord as an act of faith that a harvest is coming. And then they count forward a measure of wheat every day for 49 days until the 50th day, which is Shavuot, or we call it Pentecost. They wave before the Lord two loaves of bread, which is the evidence of the harvest that God has been faithful to his word. I have heard that years ago, and I completely forgot that. So that's definitely something the Lord did, because I didn't know what I was saying. Yeah, so that's where we are in so many ways, looking for the harvest, to wave those loaves before the Lord. So the first thing we want to say to you about what's going on in Israel is just a little bit of an explanation of what's happening in the natural. Um, about uh, seven to ten days ago, the Muslims were up on the Temple Mount um, praying in their holy month of Ramadan. And it's not unusual that during Ramadan there will be some um, skirmishes, some acts of violence, a little bit of inciting of, of um, violence in Israel. That's not unusual at all. And, uh, but what happened was things escalated. 
there, some altercations between the uh, Muslim worshipers and the Israeli police, which resulted in um, the Islamic jihadi terrorists firing rockets out of Gaza into uh, Israel proper, and Israel responding by firing rockets back into Gaza. So that's the on-the-ground natural situation of what's happening. It's a war being waged by Islamic jihadi terrorists against the state of Israel. These jihadi terrorists are embedded in densely populated civilian areas. Their headquarters have been underneath in the basement of a hospital for years and years and years. It's extremely difficult to fire on them without hitting civilians. And Israel is extremely careful, almost like precision surgery going in, to hit the targets, which are the terrorist targets, without loss of civilian life. Of course, there always is loss of civilian life. Already this morning I read 2,300 rockets have come out of Gaza into Israel. Um, that's what's happening on the ground. And I want to just give you a little testimony that says this is how powerful our prayers are. Yesterday I spoke to a friend in Israel, a Jewish friend who had traveled over the weekend to Nazareth to minister to um, Christian Arabs, young adults. And in the group of young adults, there were two women there who in the last few days previous to coming, they came to this this meeting to receive ministry because of some of the trauma they had experienced. They were looking out their window and they see in their neighborhood um, Arab youths who have stopped a car with a Jewish man inside. They pulled him out. They're in the process of lynching him and they're watching out the window thinking, what can we do, God? If we get involved, we'll just be killed too. We won't be able to do any good. So they just started praying. They're just looking out the window and praying, God, do something, do something. Save this man. Don't let him be killed. Lord, help, 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 help. And all of a sudden, two men came, almost like out of nowhere, two older men picked up this Jewish man and they said almost lifted him in the air and took him out of the crowd and saved him. And it's in the news that he was saved. Their prayers, I am 100% convinced, brought those men to that place at that time to save that Jewish man. So what you're doing today has the same possibility to impact these situations. That's what's happening on the ground. Now Stephen wants to tell you what's happening in the spirit. I, good morning. I'm so appreciative. We've heard multiple times people say, this morning that we don't battle against flesh and blood, but we battle against spiritual entities, things in the spirit. And what's happening right now in Israel uh, is very much a spiritual issue, more even more so than the actual rockets that are coming. So in, in from the these people that are called Hamas who live with the Palestinians, and I want to make this very clear distinction that most of the people who are called Palestinians are just what Brian said. They're just people who want to live their lives. They want to make a living. They want to feed their families. They don't want the destruction of Israel. But there's also these people called Hamas who are a terrorist organization. And I believe that they are driven by spiritual forces who want to see. I mean, their written uh, uh, charter says we want the destruction of Israel. It's the same spirit that drove Hitler 
It's the same spirit that drove Haman in the book of Esther. They want to destroy Israel. And so it's, that's fr from the issue of where the Hamas is concerned. That's what I believe the spiritual uh, significance is what's happening. Now with Israel, um, it's something completely different. You know, Israel is, are the chosen people still. Uh, and so what, what could be happening from them? I believe that the Lord is after Israel to turn to him. I believe that's what he's after. Just exactly like James said earlier, you know, the Lord will use this situation to cause Israel to turn back to him. And I don't know if that'll happen here, but I, know, I believe that's what's happening. So, I, you know, there's a verse from Jeremiah that I just want to read. Uh, a couple of verses I'm going to read. Jeremiah 31, uh, verse 3. The Lord appeared to us in the past, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. I will build you up again, and you, virgin Israel, will be rebuilt. So this, this phrase, unfailing kindness, in Hebrew, it's really uh, chesed, which that word really means covenantal favor. And the Lord still deals with Israel with covenantal favor, where he is, he, he is bound to them by a covenant that he's going to draw them back to him. And he will use this situation to draw some back to him. So the second verse I want to read to you is from Psalm 81, uh, verse 13. If my people would only listen to me, if Israel would only follow my ways, how quickly would I subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes? Those who hate the Lord would cringe before him, would cringe before the Lord, and their punishment would last forever. So what, what I want to uh, really explain is that Israel is in an impossible war. They cannot win this war. They can defend themselves, but they're not going to ever fire on the hospital and blow up a hospital. I mean, international repercussions of that would be detrimental to them as a nation, but that's their situation. They're not going to go in and kill everyone in Gaza, and that's the only way that they could win this war. They're never going to do that. So the Lord, I believe, has divinely orchestrated an impossible situation from them for them, and their only answer is to turn to the Lord. He's the only answer. He's the only way they're ever, this situation is ever going to end is when they turn to Him. So, so we explained on the natural. in the natural there's a war. In the spiritual there's a war. There's another thing happening in Israel, and it's terror. Because even though 2,300 rockets have been shot into Israel, only 10 people have died. Those ten people matter to the people who love them. It's not insignificant. Any loss of life matters. But that's that's nothing. That's almost not countable compared to 2,300 rockets. But the terror is affecting every single person in Israel. So what do I mean by terror? I want to give you a testimony. Stephen and I lived through three wars in Israel. James and Martina lived through at least one. Like sirens are going off all the time and depending on where you live you have a few seconds to get yourself and your family members into a bomb shelter and and it's some people have bomb shelters in their home we always did and that was wonderful but some people only have a bomb shelter for their whole apartment building or only have a bomb shelter down the street and they have to run to that place or they have to just stay in that place so that they're safe when we it, when we were living in Israel in the summer uh, this was the beginning of the um, second war with Lebanon. 
we had dropped our daughter off at the bus to go to summer camp with the other believers. And we had gone to the beach with some friends. We are on the beach, not too far from Gaza. And we were having a lovely time. And Stephen all of a sudden stands up and says, you know, I think we need to go. We need to go. We need to go. And we're like, no, we're having a good time. Let's not go. No, we need to go. We need to go. And a few minutes later, there's something in the air, lands in the water. And Stephen said, that was a rocket. And we're like, you're crazy. A few minutes later, over the loudspeaker at the beach, everybody take cover. It's a rocket coming in from Gaza. So as soon as that situation calmed, we got on the bus, headed home. We get a call from our daughter who's at camp crying, Mom, Dad, come get me. I want to go home. I want to, I want to be with you. Bring me home. Well, like most of the Israeli citizens, we didn't have a car, and we didn't have any way to go get our daughter. And we had to leave her there at the camp while we were at home, and Israel was at war. Those are real life on the ground things that people are living with. They get separated from their families. They can't get to where they need to go. They don't have what they need. That's terrifying, even for people who know the Lord. But praise God, we knew that he was taking care of us. So just the other um, real on the ground situation is this. I mean, some of you, many of you have children here. Imagine the alarm goes off because it's what happens. It's you hear it outside. Woo! All of a sudden, that means a rocket's coming. And where we lived, we had a minute and 45 seconds to get before the rockets would hit. Some people lived as close where they had 15 seconds. Others a little bit longer. But two minutes is about it. So you got to grab all your kids, your dog, whatever you you know yourself, and get into the bomb shelter. Uh, and, it, and in our house, a minute and 45 seconds was plenty of time. But for, for many people, it was quite difficult. Uh, and so, and the situation is real. You know, if it hits your house, you could die. And if you're not in the bomb shelter, it's it's terrorizing, very terrorizing. So, uh, so responses in the natural, people are having rallies in Israel. Arabs and Jewish people are getting together and saying, "Wait a minute, we live in the same village. We live in the same city. We're brothers. We're not. We're not." We're not agreeing with this conflict. We don't want to be part of that. That's the secular response. The, the godly response is that Messianic Jews and Arab Christians are gathering together. They're praying together. They're taking communion together. They're declaring that the unity of the body is above what's happening to them on the ground in their nation. And so the first topic of prayer that we want to pray about is unity of the body. Stephen's going to lead us in prayer for that. So, Lord, we're asking right now for an outpouring of your spirit uh, in, in Israel, among the believers and among the non-believers, that you would bring first the believers together, both Jew and Gentile, the Arabs uh, who represent just the Arabs and the Jews coming together to love on one another, to say that we believe that the unity in, in Jesus, in Yeshua, is more important than our own issues between one another. Lord, we're crying out right now, crying out for the unity of the believing Jews and Gentiles in Israel. Pour out your spirit on them right now, that they would come together in love, they would come together and embrace one another, and that they would be a, an object that others would look at and say, wow, this can actually happen. We can get along. We can find a way. 
Let them be an example, Lord. Let them be an example to the, to the rest of Israel, to Gaza, to all the Palestinians, Lord. Let them be an example of love between people who have been at war. In Yeshua's name. James did before ask you to really engage with this prayer. Unity of the body is a huge issue in Israel. It's an issue in every nation. It's an issue here, the unity of the body. So you can stand where you are, connect to one another. We want to ask you to just to pray where you are about this very important issue, the unity of the body in Israel. is to you and that even before you went to the cross you said that our unity with one another and our unity with you would be the thing that causes the world to look at us and see that we have something they want see how they love one another so Lord we just ask you that you would stir up in the hearts of the believers in the land of Israel and abroad and in the surrounding Arab nations, Lord, a desire to be at one with you and at one with e with each other, that, Lord, that would be the highest allegiance to you first, Lord, and to one another because of the witness and the testimony that that brings. See how they love one another. They know, they will know that we are Christians by our love, which supersedes political allegiances. It supersedes national allegiances. It supersedes all sorts of allegiances. Our allegiance is to you, King Jesus. So we have one more topic, which I think is the most important, probably. So we're praying for revival in India, in Myanmar, and we want to pray for revival in Israel. One thing about Israel, when we're praying for Israel, is we have a whole book called the Bible where you can find where the Lord has said things about Israel. So our brother Paul said in Romans 11, when he was speaking of Israel rejecting uh, Jesus, basically, he said, if their rejection, this is Romans 11:15, if their rejection brought reconciliation to the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? Life from the dead. I am fully convinced that when Israel begins to accept Yeshua, when they begin to experience revival, that the entire planet is going to experience revival. It's going to be good for us. So when we're praying for Israel, we're not only praying for Israel, we're praying for the nation. We're praying for planet Earth to experience revival. So James is going to lead us in this. I was going to say, just 
Genesis 12, the Lord says he'll bless those who bless him, his people. But in the book of Isaiah, it says that you who make mention of the Lord don't cease to to pray. Give him no rest until he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. So God, I ask, would revival go forth? Lord, both because I want our house here to be blessed, God. Lord, we've been crying out week after week for your spirit to come and take hold in our midst so that our work for you would be able to go forth in this city, God. And so we bless your people, Yeshua. We bless your people. We pray your blessing would be on them, that your presence would go before them and behind them and beside them. And just as I was just asking God, how do we pray for revival there? I was thinking about Hamas in the basement of this hospital in Gaza. And I felt like the Lord stirring up this unction in me to say, pray for the people in Gaza, the Arabs in Gaza who call themselves Palestinians for revival in their midst. So God, I pray for revival in Gaza right now, God, that in that very hospital where evil leadership is dwelling in the basement, that the people, that the doctors, that the nurses, the patients would begin to just experience the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, would you come? Lord, would you stir up God? Would you cause them to shake off the shackles of the oppressors in their region, God? For dreams and visions to go forth among the Arab people in Gaza, that this leadership would no longer be propped up, that those who are sowing violence, God, Lord, I pray for the leadership of Hamas right now for a breaking in, for a sudden breaking in and a softening of hearts, God. Lord, your revelation is greater than the power of hatred. Lord, your revelation is greater than the power of death. Lord, would you break off the spirit of death over the Gaza Strip and over the West Bank right now. Lord, I pray for Abbas right now. Lord, that that years and years and years of black twisted roots would fall off of his heart right now, immediately. Would you set the captives free? Jesus, this is what your work on the cross was for. This is what your blood was shed for. It was shed for the breaking of shackles and the setting of the captives free. God, I ask for a mighty outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Mariah, we pray. Just thank you for trying to, Lord, we ask you to come and be every one of the kids that are, that are crying out for you, God. We know that you are the healer of everything. Lord, we just pray for Israel, Lord. Lord, we ask you to come and be with him. Yes. So lastly, uh, in terms of Israel, some of you uh, may or may not have an understanding of why we care about Israel so much. Uh, this book right here, it's called Your People Shall Be My People by a man named Don Finto. He's a Gentile pastor. This is written for Gentiles to understand why Israel matters and how Israel is going to come together with, the, with Gentiles in the end times. 
Our ministry bought a number of these books. We've got them in the back for free. If you will read it, I want to give you one. Uh, if you won't read it, don't take one. But they're free, and we've got them in the back after the service. Thank you guys so much. The, uh, that's an incredible gift. If you want that book, they're going to give it to you for free. So, look, guys, I know this took a long time, but I appreciate you hanging in there with us. Um, we're going to close now in communion. Um, I want to ask Kevin, if you come up. And, uh, is Kevin in here? Okay, and uh, did you get two other people to help us serve? No. Kevin's going to get two other people to help us serve on the way up. And um, we're going to have two stations, one here, one here, and then we're also going to have these cups here. And then I'm going to ask the prayer team to come forward. Here's the deal, guys. We don't have much time. The other church does need to meet. I'm going to just pray. We're going to celebrate communion. And you come forward, and then if you're on the prayer team, please remain up here and be willing to pray for me. If you need your heart strangely warm, or if... <laughs> I don't know if you could hear the Lord is using even in spite of myself. Like, I had, I had no idea what I was talking about with the wheat and the bread. But God wants us to, to move in this direction. If you go, look, I need this. I need something. Like, they're talking about stuff that seems serious, but I'm not connecting on the same level. Um, stay and let someone pray for you guys. This is a, being prayed for is an important piece of interaction that we do as a body. And then we're going to give some room for the other church to meet but on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken and given for you. And he also took the cup and he blessed it. And he said, this is my blood given for you and do this, shed for you, shed for you and to do this in remembrance of me. And so, Father, we, or Jesus, we celebrate what you've done for us your death on the cross, your forgiveness of our sins, and the new life that you poured out on us, Lord. And we come to your table to eat of your, your flesh and drink your blood, Lord, and to do this to honor you until you come. In Jesus' name. So come forward as we close. And if you need prayer, stay here, and there are people that will pray for you. And I'll just go ahead, and this is the close of the service. So...